This show was played live on Friday night. Now we are going to play the repeat of Friday Night Live. Please do not call or text to participate in the show. Any announcement made in the show may now not be applicable. Assalamualaikum. Welcome to another edition of Friday Night Live on Friday, the 21st of September 2018. I'm your host, Abdul Akbar, tonight sitting on the hot seat uh, with Hafiz Shaban. Assalamualaikum, Hafsa. Waalaikum salam, rahmatullah. How are you doing today, Hafsa? Yeah, alhamdulillah, good. Mashallah. Good to be on the other side. Other side, I know. I feel honored to be uh, in the hot seat. Uh, uh, Otherwise, you're usually here, and I I love listening to you from wherever wherever I am in the world. But Hafiz Shaban, just tell me how. How's your week been so far? Alhamdulillah, uh, uh, nothing, nothing too exciting. As good as it can be in Luton, I guess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in comparison, we've been in Dubai like yourself, I oh, guess. Oh, <laughs> bro, you don't know. I've been, I've been in, I've been in London last week um, for work mm. purposes, and oh. every time I try to come down, I try to uh, hit the Luton streets as well and try not to get run over and all the rest of it. But it's going all right. It's going yeah, all right. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. It's, it's gone a bit windy as well last few days. What's going on with the weather, bro? I think you brought it with you, Akhi. It was, it was all good until. <laughs> what are you trying until to say? You, the weather? Until you arrived. Or, or my body. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> anyway, alhamdulillah. alhamdulillah, it's all kicking off Hafiz mm. Shaban because um, today, I don't know if you heard about Theresa May yep. um, with the Brexit situation. It's not looking good. Mm. Um, what, what do you reckon? What's going on with the Brexit situation? Where do you see that heading? Oh, it's a bit of a stalemate at the moment. She's blaming the European Union leaders yeah. uh, in terms of not being obviously uh, approachable and uh, not coming to terms on the two sticking points at the, at the, at the moment. It's but crazy. obviously, a bit of a civil war going on within the Conservative Party. Great. At the same time. Mm. Some would say those people leading the European Union are shaitan. They do not want to tolerate any kind of negotiation. Mm. Almost so, they they want the UK just to come back to um, being in a main position yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because the actual alternative is not going to be viable mm. that's going to be very very interesting because mm. uh, listeners uh, you are tuned into Friday Night Live with me Abdul Akbar uh, sitting in the hot seat just for today until I'm back in a, in a few weeks time inshallah and with Hafiz Shaban as well and this is the top story tonight because Theresa May has urged EU leaders to focus their minds on getting a Brexit deal in the next two months saying negotiations will not be extended now, a dinner happened last night where she told 27 European counterparts her priorities were maintaining economic ties and ensuring promises to Northern Ireland were kept. I don't know what you reckon, but I think, Hafiz Shaban, it's time to go back to Pakistan. Time to go back. I'm telling you. That sounds quite drastic. Uh, I, think, I think we need to get out of UK and yeah. go to Pakistan. Uh, we'll buy a nice plot. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, bury a town somewhere. Yeah, all right. Um, and maybe even in Pindi. I'll even do with that one of those dirty Pindi plots. Yeah, exactly. You know, there's the extreme times. Mm. Go for extreme measures. Yeah. <laughs> That's what, it's, that's what might have to start mm. to happen. But anyway, mm. listeners, I, I, am, I am mocking you, but this is a very serious situation. But I do want to tell you what else is coming up on tonight's program, because we do, as we do every week, have an action-packed show uh, for you. And welcome to our listeners across the UK as well. We are beaming out to the good people of Sheffield, Nottingham, Peterborough and Derby tonight. So welcome to you from our partner stations across the nation. Coming up right now in a moment, we'll be talking about the horrible gang violence. We've covered gang violence quite a lot on this program so it's Hafiz mm. Shaban mm. and it's just getting worse and worse I don't know if anyone out there has 
um, received on the WhatsApp grapevine the video recordings of a traffic patrol officer, frankly, getting a hammering and a kicking and a beating from a bunch of nutcases, which I'm going to profile them, which look of Asian and Pakistani descent. Mm. You know, you've got to say as it is, they were mm. not white boys. Mm. These were Asian boys, Pakistani boys, Bangladeshi boys. I don't know which kind of Asian, but mm. they were South Asian. Mm. And we've got to call out a problem where, wherever it is, whether it's um, affecting uh, you know, racists, white racists, if you like, and yeah. if it's affecting members of the Muslim and Asian communities. So we're going to be talking about that in a moment. I've got an amazing lineup of guests. We do have um, Mumsy in the studio, and I'll tell you more about Mumsy in a moment. Uh, very, very special brother. Also joining us as well, we've got a special brother, uh, Osama, who is a local youth member of the Luton community, and he's been doing a lot of research and a lot of work understanding why we have this kind of gang violence and why people drug deal. You want to stay tuned for that conversation as well. And we've got Brother Imran joining us, who's the founder of Bearded Brothers, and he is going to be talking about his organization and what they're doing to really sort this situation out. That's coming up in the next hour. Also coming up in an hour's time, we'll be talking about a new study which has found that around four and a half million children are living in poverty. Harvey Shaban, four and a half million children mm. in poverty. Incredible number. Uh, but I was speaking to someone earlier and uh, mm. it's not just a UK phenomenon, is it? It's, it's a global phenomenon. Absolutely. We're seeing the divide and we're seeing the, the distance between the rich, uh, the haves and the have-nots actually getting increasingly larger and larger by the day. So it's an interesting discussion and debate in terms of why that's happening. Absolutely. And listeners, mm. of course, um, you can take part in tonight's conversation at any time. If you want to share, if you're touched by any of the topics that we're talking about, you can share your perspectives as usual on 01582481822. And you can WhatsApp and text us as well, and I'll be reading out whatever you send us. Um, but what's your take, listeners? Gang violence, mm. especially Asian and Muslim gang violence. Mm. Because this is this is a challenge. It's a challenging situation. And I want to put this out there before I introduce my guests and go to them. Because, you know, we do have pockets of Muslims and Asians up and down the country. And I'm going to say Asians as well, because it's not just Muslim kids. Um, we have children and young people from Sikh backgrounds, from Hindu backgrounds and Muslim backgrounds and from just generally a South Asian background, pockets of these around the UK, in South Hall, especially in London. Um, you can go down to Slough in West London. You come up to Luton. You go around to places like Walthamstow in East London. Um, you've got Hackney and uh, you know Manor Park in East London. But if you, as you kind of make your way up north towards Luton, to Birmingham, to Bradford, to Leeds, um, we have pockets of problems especially in our community so my question to you and my question to our guest tonight are very simple what's going on why is it going on and what are we going to do about it very very simple what is going on why is it going on and what are we doing about it and half Shabon, i want to ask also um is the community doing mm. enough now you know, everyone picks on the parents and oh. says, you know, 
the whole situation is because his mum and dad didn't fix him as he was growing up. They didn't nurture oh. him. Mm. They didn't send him to the madrasa. But you know what? A lot of these kids do go to the madrasa mm. to learn the Quran. Mm. A lot of these kids did go to school and they had an education. They mm. learned how to read and write. So why are they reverting to knives? Mm. Why are they reverting to drugs? Why are they kicking traffic wardens mm. on mopeds on Birmingham streets? Listeners, mm. if you've got a theory, 01582 481 Now is the time to call. You could be a young person. You could be a brother, a sister, an auntie, an uncle, a grandfather or a grandmother. I don't care. I want to hear from you wherever you are, up and down the country. Why are Asians, why are Muslims, why are young people reverting to a life of crime? Of course, as I mentioned, I've got an excellent panel joining us to this evening to talk about this topic. Um, well, let me go ahead and start to introduce my panel. So on the telephone line, we have Brother Imran, uh, founder of Bearded Brothers. Salam alaikum, Imran, sir. Salam Salam. How are you, brother? Yeah, good. I just, I just thought I heard somebody laughing in the background. Everything okay? Everything's okay. I've got my kids with me. That's what's going on. Mashallah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't sure what was going on there. Okay, so Imran, tell me more about your organization, Bearded Brothers. Uh, BD Bros was founded in 2017 after the Grenfell Tower incident. Okay. And uh, why it was founded? Because we thought, we, as Muslims in the United Kingdom, we saw a niche in the market where we wanted to do, uh, we wanted to show how Islamic uh, values and British values go hand in hand together. And uh, that's what we've been doing so far. And you reckon that British values and Islamic values are compatible? Because a lot of people out there will say, no, actually, what are we talking about, bro? Um, there's no concept of Islam in Britain. Uh, you, you, cannot, you cannot be a Muslim uh, who prays five times a day and who fasts in the months of Ramadan and, 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 and whose wife wears a headscarf, which cannot be British, or, or who wears a thobe on the street on a Friday. You can't be British and do all that. Come on, bro. And majority of our volunteers, and I think, I think the majority of uh, British Muslims would beg to differ on the on that. that There's nothing in law. There's nothing within the society of Great Britain that would stop us from practicing our religion Mm -hmm. freely. Okay, Uh, does not does not stop us from doing anything which is our religious obligation. So therefore. You can be British, you can have Islamic values, and you can uphold the British values that you have been brought up into. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I hear what you're saying, bro. And of course, as a Muslim myself, I totally subscribe to that opinion. But there is that other counter opinion out there. So Imran, what's your take? Like, especially, uh, let's just focus on Grenfell very briefly, because um, a lot of people are saying that Grenfell happened because of that pocket. Gigi? Sorry, I lost, I lost you there for about 30 seconds. Sorry, no, say that again? no worries, bro. I was going to say that. Let's just focus on Grenfell very briefly, if we can. Yes. Specific, yes. Specifically around the community of Grenfell, because it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that, look, let's be honest, Grenfell was a minority mm. community. There were Muslims, yes. there were black people, and you had the whole pocket. You had very tiny pockets of middle-class white people, but ultimately yes. it was a minority community. And a lot of people are saying... The reason why that building was neglected was because there weren't enough important people, I, a.k.a. white middle-class people, in that building. What's your take? 
Um, so, uh, some parts of your argument are probably correct. Okay, some parts. I say that uh, with some hesitation. The reason being, uh, if you look at these sort of pocket of people that used to live in, th- in them towers, a lot of them were asylum seekers. When they come into this country, we deal with asylum seekers on a daily basis. We are the only emergency food bank in the country okay, that delivers mm. to the doorstep. Right, and we, uh, we are their first port of call, and we go into these sort of buildings where asylum seekers are housed, so high-rise flats, big, uh, you know, short flats, but a lot of these buildings we go into. Mm-hmm. And this is what they tell us, that when they first come into this country, they're probably handed over to security firms like G4S for housing, okay? These guys are very, very scared from where they've left, okay? I've had stories where these guys are not allowed televisions, etc. My point being that these guys, when they come into the country, they, even if there was a problem with the building, they would be very reluctant to say so. Mm-hmm. Okay? And this is what happened. There was a lack of, there was a lack of majority talking about problems of this. There was, there was pockets of people within that building that kept them complaining, yes. Got you. But there wasn't a majority of people in order to put enough pressure on to the landlord or the people that were looking after this building to actually physically do something about it. So, yes. Mm. They didn't have a voice, if you like. All I don't right. think they were picked on. I don't think it was a racial thing where they were picked on because they were a minority. I don't think that's correct. Yeah. I think they didn't. Ju- they just didn't have a voice. They didn't have a voice. I hear you. I hear you. Thank you for that, Imran. Just stay on the line if you can, because I do want to go to my other guests in the studio. We are talking about the gang violence culture, especially in Muslim and Asian communities um, here on Inspire 105.1 uh, FM. This is Friday Night Live with me, Abdullah. We're sitting in with Hafiz Shaban as well. Hafiz Shaban, um, before I go to my other guests today on the panel, um, what, what you, what's, what's your feeling here? I mean, uh, people People not getting a voice and therefore being misrepresented but you know it is a cycle of, mm. of challenge there right because ultimately you only get a voice if you get a good education and you're t- you're trained on how to make yourself heard and, and, and mm. what's your take uh, I mean, if you're, if, if you're referring to Grenfell, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean it is. But at the same time, we, we know that the, the society that we're living in, and we're going to be discussing that later, 4, 4.5 million children living under yeah. the poverty line. Yeah. We know it's all about c- cutting costs. We know it's all about, you know, you know, being very tight in terms of where we spend that money, where the government's spending its money. And there are uh, large pockets of community that are being neglected as a result of the capitalist, you know, the system that, mm-hmm. w- that we're seeing, right? So, uh, and, uh, and unfortunately, you do get results like that. And, and that's what we saw. But this is the, 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 the conundrum here because mm. I mean there are people there are young people and we're gonna hear more about this in a moment where they come from wealthy backgrounds yeah I mean their parents have got money mm. yeah they've got nice houses the dad drives a Mercedes yeah and their children are also reverting yep. to knife mm-hmm. crime, yep. violence on the streets. What the heck is going on yep. there? And, and, and you mentioned earlier that these these kids no doubt have spent time in the masjids, no, yeah. time, no, no doubt have spent time re- reciting the Quran. Yeah. But unfortunately, the, the biggest teacher is society. It mm. isn't the masjid. It isn't you know the home, right? The, those kids are spending the majority of their time in society. And if you do not inculcate a solid understanding of their identity, of their own values, and they're going to absorb from their society. Interesting. You might be onto something there, Hafiz Shapan. Listeners, this is Friday Night Live. We're talking about a very, very serious situation here. Don't forget, you can take part in tonight's conversation on 01582481822. I want to go straight on to uh, our next guest. And of course, we are talking about gang violence and the crazy up the surge, if 
you like. You've heard of surge pricing on Uber. This is surge violence in Luton and in Birmingham and Bradford. And I want to go ahead and introduce um, Mumsy Shah, who is basically somebody who's very well known in Berry Park. He grew, grew up in Luton and he effectively, you know, this is self-admitted, he got involved in criminal behavior and criminal, we'll find out more about that in a moment, from a young age. Uh, he started, however, working as a volunteer with ex-offenders uh, around the late 1990s, and now he's been involved in criminal justice and substance misuse since the mid-2000s. And now, mashallah, he's working as a Dawah outreach worker for the Luton Islamic Centre. Mumsy, bye. Asalaamu Alaikum. Asalaamu Alaikum, brother. Abdullah, how are you doing? It's, uh, good, bro. Good. I mean, it's, it's amazing to have somebody like you in the studio. Now, let, let's get to the, the core of this, bro. First of all, before we go to the specific questions that I had at the beginning of the programme, which was, what's going on? Why is it happening? And, and what are we going to do about it? Um, tell me a bit about yourself. I mean, you mentioned criminal behaviour. Uh, what sort of crimes were you up to? I mean, back in the 1980s, there wasn't a lot to do, um, you know, so you get involved in sort of anti-social behaviour, maybe some type of vandalism, and as you get older, you keep pushing the boundaries, maybe some violent confrontations, um, you know, um, uh, acquiring money by illegal means that could be robberies or, you know, some types of uh, burglaries and, and stealing and stuff like that. And as as you get more and more brave and you get more and more serious in that criminal behaviour, it reflected in the type of crimes that you 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 you, you committed. Um, and that was at that time, it was a lack of opportunities for us. We didn't feel that there was a lot going on in the community. Um, back in the 1980s, the community was quite small. So, you know, we kind of tried to find ways to, in, in, a, in a sort of better way to ex- uh, express it, to entertain ourselves. And, and we just went down that route. And, but, you know, there was, it was a very small element. The majority of the guys that I grew up with, the majority of the guys that I went to school with, they were all perfectly well law-abiding citizens, colleges, universities, degrees and stuff like that. But there was a very small element of us guys that chose to go down this sort of naughty route um, the sad thing about that is that mm. um, you know some 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 of the guys um, got sent to prison for long periods of time, and um, they lost a long portion of their youth yeah. within within the within the prison system. So mm. so Bambi, tell me this, bro, because um, you, you mentioned the nineteen eighties. You described the nineteen eighties. Now, if we fast forward to now, twenty eighteen. None of that stuff is necessarily true. True. There is stuff. There's alternatives. There's youth mm. activities. Um, you know, there's social media now, which is a different dimension as well. True. There's so much stuff that youth people, young mm. people have that they can get involved with. So why hasn't what you're involved with in in the 80s, why hasn't that problem been solved today? Because, you know, mm. We, mm. we are in a better place. If you, you yeah, I think you touched on a really important uh, point that, you know, a lot of these young guys, they come from affluent families. The dad drives a Mercedes. But one of the main things uh, that I notice, and I'm sure that my panelists will agree with me, that a lot of these young people they have no ambition. Mm. So you speak to them, there's lots of shoulder shrugging, um, you try to engage with them, try to converse with them on a level that they're on, and it's just they haven't got any long-term aims and objectives. Mm. Um, and the word that they keep really bouncing around constantly is boredom, what do you want me to do, there's nothing out there, and that sort of thing. Mm. Because I think maybe there is an element where they've lost that um, drive or the lack of uh, inspiration to achieve something greater. So they like to achieve the goals, for example, live the lifestyles of the footballers, but they don't want to do the training to mm. be the footballer. Yeah, and right. this is a sort of element that we're detecting out there. And it's very, very difficult to get 
a young person to ad- openly admit that when he's with his peers, when he's with his friends. You have to do a lot of one-to-one work, mentoring, so they can put their guard down and say, listen, uncle, or listen, bruv, you know what? I ain't got nothing else to do. Because mm. they've got everything. They go home, the fridge is full of food, mm. clothes are always ironed, don't pay gas bill, electric bill, cancel exactly. bill, mm. nothing. Mm. So in a way, there could be an element that they're spoiled. And because of the element that they're spoiled, they're behaving in a way That's right. mm. uh, that is negative in society. It's interesting you say that because, I mean, traditional Pakistani methods of fixing the problem that you describe <laughs> is... Send it back home. Send it back home. It's to Shadi Radio. Shadi Rao, Jaldi. Get him a girl or a woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or a few tuppers, bro. Yeah, but they don't work no more, brother. Shadi Radio, maybe with a cousin that he's never met in his life. Yeah, That's another story altogether. And it's okay. It's all right. I'm not saying that we can't marry our cousins. I get that, but there are challenges there as well. Even then, brother Abdullah, what's happened is that now what happens if you've got... Uh, if you've got a young man that's naughty, delinquent, mm. Mm. antisocial, misbehaving, not listening to their parents, those parents will send him back to Pakistan. Looting majority people are from Azad Kashmir or mm. uh, I'm from the Punjab. But what they will give him, they will give him the same affluent lifestyle yeah. that he had here over there. Right, so all he's, right. all he's done is change bases. Yeah. Mm. And, so, and, sorry. so he will behave in exactly the same way, but in fact with more impunity. Mm. Because there the law... <laughs> Is very flexible for people that have got money. Exactly. And, and you know what the worst thing is? Um, I'm sorry to interrupt you. The worst thing is they're getting him hitched to an innocent young lady mm. who won't know what the heck's hit her. Exactly. And you're messing up his life, exactly. you're messing up her life. Exactly. And it's probably going to end in a situation exactly. that nobody exactly. wants. Yeah, and just quickly, you, know, you mentioned that you know, if in the 80s or 90s someone's misbehaving, they send them back home and they got, got him married to a, a young Muslim sister, mm. the likelihood of that would be that they would both invest in that relationship after a couple of children, they resign themselves to the fact that this is my life and they'll have an arrangement. And more than likely, they, they would live their life. But now that's not happening. So you send a young man back home now to get married against like his wishes, not force him, but you don't really want to be in a marriage situation at a stage. Yeah. He'll come back and say, I ain't got nothing to do with it. Yeah. And we find that every single week, I mean, you know, people coming to the alternative centres in Luton, we see people in the community yeah. always you know, contacting us. And listen, I went back home, or I've got in a relationship, or I've been married, and I'm not happy. Yeah. And it's becoming more and more common that the so, relationships are failing. Yeah, and this is the problem. So listeners, if you're listening to this, program right now right now and we have struck a chord in your brain give me a call you do not have to give your name you can speak anonymous anonymously brothers and sisters 01582481822 are you in the situation that mumsy just mentioned that we're talking about right now are you in a knife crime sort of gang related situation or are you a gangster or a young person who actually did end up in Pakistan or Bangladesh or whatever? And, you know, frankly, that situation hasn't haven't solved your problems. And now, you know, you are you are having a challenging time. We're going to come to solutions in a moment, but I still want to understand what's happening and and, and, and the root cause of some of these issues before we go on to solution. Um, I will be blaming imams tonight because I, I strongly believe that the imam is a very important part of Muslim society. And today, and this is not for all mosques, but today I still go to a mosque, even in Luton, and the khutbah does mm. not correlate with modern society. Okay. Mm. Now, I'm not saying we don't talk about salah and fasting and you know the, the, the days of Ashura and the month of Muharram and the significance of the virtues and benefits of Islam. No, these are mm. critical, these are practical, we have to learn these things. But 
how many imams are mapping the Quran and Sunnah onto the reality when you step outside your door or even inside the house? How many imams are training their communities that this is what you do, that alcohol is haram? How many imams are going to stand on the minbar and tell their congregation, knowing there is a wine merchant present, knowing there is a drinker present, knowing that these people donate to their mosques, how many imams will stand up and say, La, we will not accept this. We will not accept the money from this income. And you know why? Here is the Islamic opinion. This is why Allah has forbidden it. This is why, this is why he وسلم, prevented his companions from drinking this. And this is why we will not accept this money. How many? Who? Are the Imams doing a good job? 01582-481-822. Let's go on to our next panelist tonight because mashallah, an amazing panel we've got. Um, and uh, this brother is a very special brother. His name is Osama. He's a youth worker in Luton as well. A young person, just like Mumsy, a bit younger than Mumsy. Mumsy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and mashallah, this brother is doing lots of interesting work. And we're going to be speaking to him uh, after the break. But listeners, this is Friday Night Life. Hafiz Shaban, any quick thoughts from you? Uh, plenty of thoughts, uh, but I, I think we really need to explore in terms of uh, y- the points that we made earlier in terms of identity, giving giving yeah. them a purpose, giving our youth a purpose, giving them an identity so they can aff- they can uh, you know yeah. uh, re- resonate with that, right? Absolutely. And, and that, uh, that answers a fundamental question in their lives. But we'll explore that in in, in the second half. Very so. interesting, listeners. If you want to take part in tonight's conversation, oh one five eight two four eight one eight double two. I want to hear from you. You can't just be an armchair Muslim. No, there's no concept of an armchair Muslim. A Muslim is somebody who, if they see something happening, they are going to stop it with their hand. And if they can't do that, they're going to stop it with their voice, their mouth, their tongue. If they can't do that, they're going to hate it in their heart. But that is the lowest of faith. We'll be right back after these messages. Stay tuned. Friday Night Live. Assalamualaikum. Welcome to the second part of tonight's edition of Friday Night Live on Friday, the twenty-first of September, twenty eighteen. I'm your host Abdul Akbar. Tonight, sitting in with Hafiz Shaban. Hafiz Shab. Assalamualaikum. Wa alaikum assalam. Wow, mashallah. What an amazing conversation we've had so far. I'm learning lots from my panelists in the studio tonight. Mashallah. We've got Brother Mumsy from Luton. We're also about to speak to Brother Asama as well. We've got Imran on the line from Bearded Brothers. But I want to go straight to um, the caller on the line as well because we don't keep our callers waiting and we've got Hussein on the line Assalamu alaikum Hussein Wa alaikum salam How are you doing tonight bro? Alhamdulillah How are you? Alhamdulillah Hussein where are you calling from tonight? Luton MashaAllah and what, what's your comment or question? Um, you spoke about gang violence and stuff mm. and personally what I feel is the cause is lack of Iman mm. Why I say this is because um, I've had a couple of friends and stuff like that, right? And I've seen too firsthand about how you get influenced really easily. And just because of this influence by your peers, mm. um, I feel that that is one of the really big reasons as to why people get drawn into this gang violence. Mm. Lack of Iman, I reckon, would be one of the main reasons as to why um, us youngsters really get involved. 
Because if you think about it, if you had a strong iman, then you would understand the difference between a right and wrong. Mm. If you had a low iman, you would still understand that this is wrong. But because your iman is weak, you would get influenced really easily. Right. However, if your iman is strong, you know that Allah is looking at you, watching what you're doing. And if you do wrong, you know that he will at one day catch you out. And obviously because of that reason you would turn away from it even though someone is still present yeah you know you know Imran you you make a really interesting point here here's my thoughts on what you're saying which is spot on absolutely i mean everyone sins like isn't this true that everyone sins because when they are committing that sin knowingly of course um, there's got to be a lack of lack of iman, right? Like if if you're if you're gonna be cursing someone or doing something that you know Islamically is incorrect, um, there's gonna be a lack of iman. And I guess there are dec- degrees of lack of iman. I mean, if you look at a baby, when a baby is born, baby is born sinless. That's what we believe in Islam. And we know that a we, we start with a clean slate, but we know that as you grow up, the shaitan starts to chip away at us. And um, maybe depending on which part of the country uh, you're living in, um, there may be uh, greater tools for the shaitan to chip away at us, right? And, <laughs> and, 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 and get to us. But you know what, what, what I'm thinking when you say lack of iman? I'm thinking, actually, what's happening here is that those who are committing these sins continuously, daily, every evening, giving their parents a stressful time, they are beyond this kind of feedback. Like if you go up to a brother and say, bro, you know what? Uh, how's it going? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing all right, bro. I think you should, um, you should, you should, you should increase your iman, bro, because your iman is down there. You got a lack of iman. That brother will just look at you in the face and say, "What's he talking about? <laughs> what planet? Is, do you see I, what, I do hear what I'm saying?" I do agree with you. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about lack of iman. That's true, but the root cause. Um, I'm wondering what that is. Imran, uh, Hussein, thanks for calling, bro. Um, And I really, really, really appreciate your call. And I respect you for calling and sharing your perspectives because you've got a very strong point there. Um, But let me go on to... uh, I'm going to come back to Mumsy and Harvey Shaban to give their feedback. But I want to go on to Brother Osama, who is a young person in Luton. Uh, Osama, what what do you make of the conversation so far? What's going through your mind? Um, To be honest with you, there's quite a lot of things which... um there's mm-hmm. quite a lot of things which are going through my mind at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of points raised about British values and Islamic values kind of being on on the same page. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, another the brother the brother Hussein just called in. Mashallah. Mm-hmm. Jazakallah um, khair mm-hmm. um, for calling in and giving his opinion about lack of iman. Um, Uncle Uncle Mamdi, you know, said there's there's no ambition, there's no drive. Um, he said, you know, some 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 parents out there, alhamdulillah, financially they're well off. And the kids still get into a bit of bother, whether that's drugs or crime or, or whatever it is, right? Um, now, my personal take on this, um, from from actually, I'm you, I'm 22 myself, um, so I'm not the age of half a Shaban or Shabbat. Uncle Mumsy just six, just six, yet. So you're not, I'm 29. So you're not 60 and 70. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say how old I am because you're going to start calling me granddad. Mashallah. So um, when I actually speak to the youth, um, to be fair. Mm. Um, they're not bad people and what do i mean by that i'm not here justifying drug dealing i'm not here justifying crimes Mm. um what i'm basically saying is that these people deep down they have really um amazing skills so let me just give you a little uh, example Mm. 
I'm not going to justify drug dealing through this, by the way, but just as an example. Yeah, because it could be brothers thinking smoking weed can't be an amazing skill, right? Surely. No, no, I'll, I'll, I'll explain. <laughs> I'll explain what I mean oh, okay. by that. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, so the drug dealer, his drive to sell drugs and to reach a certain amount um, of of sales to get his profit, mm-hmm. his drive to do that day in, day out, mm-hmm. night and day, he needs to reach that target. Mm. Now, let's just switch that. Let's say, as an example, he used those same skills for Islam. Where would he be in the future? Mm. What, what, what asset would he be for the Ummah? Mm. What asset would he be to the youth? So, you know, sometimes he'd, he'd, the, the drug dealer, he'd jump over walls and, and run from the police, as an example. And he's got that drive where he's climbing up pipes to, to, to throw the drugs into someone's window to sell that. Mm. If he's using that same drive to actually help uh, the Ummah, to mm. strive, to study, to actually look at Islam and say, okay, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala want from me? Mm-hmm. And he uses that same drive, right? Those same skills he has. He'd be a different person. This is interesting. So, sorry, I just please, want to finish please, my, go. my yeah, example. Yeah, yeah, go on. It's a very famous, famous example of Umar radiallahu anhu. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were times where Umar radiallahu anhu, he used to actually cry. And the Sahaba used to ask him, uh, what is it? Why are you crying for? And he said that I remember the days of Jahiliyyah when I buried my daughter alive. Mm. But then if you actually look at Umar ibn Khattab later on after Islam, when he, when he embraced Islam and he became Muslim, he became of the ten who were promised Jannah. Mm. And this was Umar ibn Khattab. And mashallah, very powerful example. And the, you know what came to my mind is that often the brothers that I've met who were very strong when they were not in Islam, when they were really committing those sins, are amongst some of the best Muslims we see yep. today. Exactly. Um, you know, and it's interesting. And I like your idea of channeling that energy towards something good. But here's the problem: How do you get people over that tipping point? Because really, mm. to fix a problem, you need to understand that you have a problem. So you got to look at yourself in the mirror. You got to introspect. You got to self-reflect. Mm. You got to be willing to take feedback. Right? Somebody yep. gives you feedback about something. Um, you know, you got to understand that. Hey, I've got a problem. It's like if you speak to somebody um, who's smoking. They're not going to understand, oh, bro, stop smoking. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, everyone tells me to stop smoking. But they are a smoker. They, that's been an intrinsic part of their life maybe since they were 16, right? That's a habit. Until the doctor says to them, sorry about this. You're now 45 years of age and you have lung cancer and you have a few months to live. And then suddenly it hits that person, bang. Oh, my God. I've been sticking this thing in my mouth for the last 25 years and I'm about to die. That's what people are going through. How can we stop that from happening to the youth? How do we prevent that? Before I go back to Mumsy, I want to go to Rihanna on the line. Assalamualaikum, Rihanna. Assalamualaikum, Salam. Thank you for taking the call. Yes, go ahead, Rihanna. What's your comment here? Um, I'm, I've been listening to all the comments and I, I, I agree with all the opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a mum of twin 11-year-old boys just entered high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and everything that's been discussed is the worst fear for a parent. And um, you kind of think, okay, what do I instill in my child? Don't, you know, because it, they, they see lots of things going on. For example, um, they see people driving nice cars. Mom, why is your car like that? Mm. Um, they, 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 the lifestyle they're actually seeing, 
they, you know where that lifestyle was for most of the people that we're seeing around Luton with young kids um, is coming from. Some, alhamdulillah, the parents are well off, they can afford to, to do those kind of things for their children, mm-hmm. but many we, we see around Luton is that lifestyle which is kind of putting the children in. Um, and the, the other thing is you're constantly teaching about the halals and you know, oh, this is this is but mum why is this haram? Mm. So you're trying to teach that as well. So you're trying to get them to fit into the society and everything else, and teach um, all the other backing stuff uh, as well at the same time. But my biggest fear is, I mean, for example, my sons will get involved in something because they don't because the teachings for me are um, if somebody's getting hurt, you don't allow that person to get hurt. But they. I, and now I'm thinking of teaching them, mm. if somebody's getting hurt, just self-preservation, son. You know, move away from it. Because me as a parent, I'm thinking, I don't want my child to get hurt. Mm. But my son's thing, my, my son's take on it is, Mom, do you want me to stand there while another child who's much smaller than mm. you get hurt? Um, you know, I need to stop this because of this kind of warrior stage that they're in. Yeah, they yeah. Less than that. And, and sister, uh, yeah, quick question if I may. Sister, are are your sons good boys or are they naughty boys? Are they get, do you feel like... They're twins. Um, they're twins. Oh, much um, rather. And, 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 you know, they've always been very naughty mm. uh, in that sense. But you, the naughtiness is because they're bouncing off each other. How old are they? The and there's... 11. 11, mashallah. Um, okay, all right, let's go to Mumsy. Mumsy, what's your take on what the sister is saying? She's clearly a concerned parent, like every most parents. Uh, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. Um, first of all, you know, jazakallah khair for the sister that she took the courage to uh, ring in and talk about something that's so personal. Mm. And uh, as all parents, we all go through um, the, the fears that the sister is experiencing. But there is no one specific solution. It's about showing the maturity, showing the patience with the children, trying to ensure that they stay within the safety perimeters of society so if there is a violent confrontation and there is an element that uh, her sons would get her or they would may may get um in concern with that violent act then it would be more prudent for them to stay away but if it's two guys having a scrap and they, and they think because oh, listen lads you know that like mumsy half is up split them up give them a bit of advice your mates your friends what you're doing then that's all well and good mm-hmm. so yeah it's t- kind of trying to find that perfect balance i mean and then there's no perfect solution there's no perfect solution because if there was a perfect solution to parenting we'd all buy the book read it and we wouldn't have naughty children mm-hmm. so you're dealing with uh, a case-by-case scenario individual personalities the other thing, brother, is I think that, you know, you can't pick your house up or move anywhere in another part of town. I mean, we're contemplating moving out of Luton. Mm. We're contemplating. But the thing is, I mean, I've said this to the family. I said, if I go anywhere, mm. the problems still travel with me. Yeah. Because these, these are kind of part of society. It happens everywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't go to the bottom of my road without people dealing at the bottom of my road. And I've reported these people many times. You know, these things are there where my children are constantly exposed to this. Where this are you, sister? Are you in Luton? I'm in Luton. Sounds like Luton. Yeah. Luton. I, I was gonna. I was gonna. <laughs> I, I was. I was gonna say. So, sister. I mean, I'm gonna take this back to Mumsy. Mumsy, this sister is a classic case of a parent who has young men growing up. They're going to be in their teens very soon. Intimidating. And you know what? Difficult they, to approach. Exactly. And they could be walking down to school one day and suddenly, you know, the influence. I mean, mums can only do so much. Definitely, Dad's going to do so much. Definitely, definitely. Because you know how kids are, right? Definitely, they, they don't listen to their parents because um, because because um, they want to learn through experience. We've all done it, right? Definitely. Our, our dad has said, don't do this better. You're like, yeah, yeah, Dad, I know. I'm not going to do it. But the shaitan, he's going to somehow 
somehow grapple you when you're outside of the clutches of your parents, the safety of your home, right? Now, here's the thing. So how does this sister, what's your guidance, what's your experience, I mean, I mean, what and works? And it goes back to what I think what you said earlier on, the responsibility of imams, mm. other mentors in society, particularly teachers, particularly people that are in positions of authority mm. that can speak to them. And we shouldn't have a fear of speaking to young people. Mm -hmm. And that speaking to a young person or a group of young people doesn't mean uh, a verbal confrontation or admonishment or chastising or telling them off. It's just engaging with them. You know, Assalamu alaikum, wa alaikum, how you doing, what's going on, how come there's a lot of guys here, who lives here, what you up to. You might get the off-the-cuff off off the cuff comment towards you that might be a little bit negative, mm. but just having the courage to engage with them. Obviously, I wouldn't advise um, any sister or any brother to engage, but it's building that rapport with the youngsters. Once you build that rapport, then you can start engaging with them and say, listen, you know, this is someone's house, someone lives here, there's families, you know, you're, you know, you're creating a nuisance or you're being antisocial, so on and so forth. Yeah. So it's just trying to sort of like make inroads with the young people to give them that element of support that they may not be getting that emotional nourishment that they may not be getting elsewhere. And it comes back, and sister, I'll come back to you for your last words in a moment, but it also comes back to the point that Brother Osama made, mashallah, which is everyone starts as a good person and they have goodness in, everyone has goodness in them. There is that core, there's some layers that have built up over time of, of, of sin and, and, and difficulty and problems. And maybe, you know, the tipping point for some people is that they have maybe maybe their parents have had marital problems. Maybe there's been a bereavement in the family at a young age, and this could be some kind of outlet or some coping mechanism for them. I mean, there's there's all kinds of complexities around that, right? But let me go to Asami. Asami, you have spoken to lots of young people, mashallah. What have you heard on the street? You know, in, on the Luton Street, about why young people choose to get involved in crimes, in drug culture, and this kind of stuff. Yep. So. Um uh prior to answering the 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 question we've actually got a, a youth campaign which is called stand for nothing for for anything and and this campaign is a is a national campaign um so recently um i think for the last four or five weeks we had every weekend we were going to a location in the country so we went to bradford we went to birmingham east london west london we were here in Luton mm. um, and up and down the country, our main focus of this campaign was grassroots dawah and not just to, to Muslims, to non-Muslims. Um, why, why do you like drug deal or not even drug deal? Why do you like conning people as an example? I say, look, we, we, we basically want to um, we want to make the most of life. Um, we want to drive that car. Uh, when we're driving down the road or when we're walking, we want people to look at us and say, you know, what? That, that's the man. That's the man. So the brother, he, the brother that called in previously and said, "Look, it's a lack of iman." Mm. Um, it's, it's correct to a certain extent, but how do you explain the non-Muslims doing it? Um, because the non-Muslims, there's, there's no iman, right? Now the point is, is the fundamental point of you know no ambition, no drive, no motivation, no purpose. Is it, it falls back down to what values this society is putting on the table? For not just the, the youth, even for uh, when, when the Tottenham riots were happening, how is it that professionals like teachers were, were robbing TVs out of... Out of uh, they, they, were, they were educated. It's about the society pushing certain ideas, certain freedoms, saying you're free to do what you want. Um, as long as you don't step out of the laws and policies, that's fine. Which is contradictory in itself, because at the end of the day, who, who defines it? Now, the, 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 the question that needs to be asked here is, okay... Um, Upon your ideas that you carry, 
actions are going to stem from that. So if you're looking at Anthony Joshua and Wayne Rooney, um, actually, I don't want to put them in the same basket. Let's just say Wayne Rooney as an example. Um, you know, he's earning a silly amount of millions in a month, right? But then there's news reports coming out that he was there was allegations with with him, you know, uh, doing certain actions with, with a prostitute. Now, how does that when when a youth looks at that, he doesn't really look at that side. He's more looking at the lifestyle, um, and the problem is, is how is he going to get to that lifestyle? Um, and that's the issue. What's the quickest way to get what's to that the lifestyle? Way? What's and the you, you've way? hit something really important here, which is celebrity culture, and. You know, even Muslims are doing it. You know, famous Muslim celebrities where they got their Instagram accounts and they're basically posting their lives. These famous YouTubers who happen to be Muslim are, are, are showing the houses they've bought with all their YouTube subscribers and stuff like that. And you've got Joe Muslim um, in his house watching it from his bedroom thinking, wow, that's the life. Yeah. And, 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 and they're seeing those as role models. And the question is, how can I get to that status? Maybe not to that status, but locally, how do I how do I build up my reputation? Uh, great points there. And Rahana, last words with you before I have to move on. I think um, coming from different perspectives, I mean, you, um, just summarize it quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the gentleman said about the imams and the, 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 you know, going to the faith leaders, but most of the faith teachers mm-hmm. are not very well conversed in, in, in English. And all of our children are not conversed in their native language. So mm. that, that's where the big, big, there is a mm. big gap. The other thing is, I'm a teacher by profession. Um, so, you know, I, I am trying to instill all of these values, Iman, you know, from the, from the British society, British values, I'm trying to put all of that in my children. Yeah. But I'm failing. And I can do you know what, sister? I'm going to go to Mumsy for this. But, you know, but before I do that, there's one thing that really triggers in my mind, which is the best way to learn. And this is a fact, okay? I'm going to say it's, a, it's, not, a, it's not a Donald Trump fact, by the way. <laughs> it, it's a real okay. fact, okay? And the best way to learn. If I could tell you how to fly an airplane and you could read up all the manuals and go through all the simulations on a computer on how to fly an airplane. But the best way to learn how to fly or to drive a car is to do it. You've got to do it, right? So one piece of advice I have for parents, and Mumsy, just verify this for me, is get your children involved in um, shadowing you, your, your husband, the parents, in activities that will give them skills. It, it, preferably an Islamic activity, but an activity. Get them to do it. Don't lock them in the home behind a video game system and keep them at home. they got to get out. Boys need to get out. Boys totally, need to be active. Totally, totally. And just quickly, I just want to say, sister, I don't, me personally, I think the, the courage that you've taken to call in and talk about something so personal, um, you're far from um, failing. I think Mashallah. you're in fact, you know what I mean, you're, you're one of the people that I would call on the path to success. Um, and sure. as Brother Akbar said, I would echo that definitely there's loads of facilities in Luton. Um, the young man, Osama, next to me, I know his father, he's an avid horse rider and a horse collector. <laughs> and you know, we live in a very uh, nice part of England, Bedfordshire, where there are horse riding uh, clubs available in the home counties. Take your children there. I know within Denby, um, there's a brother Zareen uh, uh, and his and his friends. They head an archery club. So there's lots of lots of positive. Uh, um, uh, hobbies and sports activities based around Islamic faith and when young men and families go there what happens they build up camaraderie right. and they build up brotherhood and sisterhood and then you get that positive vibe that you're looking for then you're mm-hmm. finding these young people that Osama has been talking about the ones that have got the positive energy so with the positive enthusiasm in things that are 
uh, an asset to society and not detrimental so and that's what we've got to do and we can't be disheartened because if we become disheartened then we're going to create this huge vortex of you know negativity and we, and we can't do this children need to do something spot on totally, bro. Totally. I mean children need mm. to do something and here's, here's, here's the problem parents who are not proactive mashallah as brother Mamzi mentioned you are proactive sister but parents who are not proactive they are causing some of the problem because if you're proactive in giving your children an outlet and that Activity, a skill from a young age, they're going to go on to mature and be interested in yeah, that. Totally, totally. And, and, and I'll give you an example, yeah, mm. that some of the some of us, myself included, even though we are biological parents, we're not reality in parents. Why? Because the child goes to school at nine o'clock in the morning, finishes at half past three, exactly. they go to the mosque at four o'clock, they finish at six o'clock, they're playing fortnight till eight o'clock, they get their dinner at half past eight, nine o'clock they're in bed. What parenting is being done? Mm. It's all right, well and good to sit in the car, how was your day? What did you do? Done your homework, you've done this. That's that's not parenting. It's sometimes what you touched on about five, six minutes ago, is the moments where that they're seeing how you behave, mm. how you interact, how you're meeting your elders, how you're meeting your parents, friends and your relatives. And, and so on and so forth. So they pick up these uh, positive characteristics from their parents, whether it's the mother, whether it's the father, and utilizing the things. Exactly what Osama's been saying is that to get the positive energy that these young people that have, that they immerse themselves in negative activities, to get that energy and to divert it into positive uh, uh, aspects. So that way they get positive results. Absolutely. Sister Rahana, Jazakallah for calling Mamzi. Amazing words from you as well. Um, Umar on the line. Salaam Umar. How are you, Umar? What's your comment? I'm fine. Uh, thanks. A lovely show. Also, my comment is uh, regarding what somebody just said a moment ago, that uh, not everyone has parents and not everyone has parents that can mm. facilitate in the manner which has just been mentioned. Um, what we have to do to stop gang violence is simply stop it. And the Prophet of Islam says, stop it with your hands. And this person you have on the phone, Mumsy, he sounds like he's built as Arnold Schwarzenegger. And after Juma, he and everyone else, uh, I need to stand behind him and follow him to those nefarious places where this type of activity is taking place. We need to say to them, uh, stop it or else. Okay, Thank thanks for that. Mamzi, any comments on that? <laughs> I, I think he, he claimed you were a I wish I was a bit like Arnold Schwarzenegger, but I'm more like a beach ball at the moment. Alhamdulillah, I, I, I do agree with that to, uh, to, uh, to a degree in the sense that, yes, change it with your hand if you, you can. Mean but, you mean the Arnold Schwarzenegger bit? Or? Yeah, but, but all of it, you know. But <laughs> yeah. what it is that sometimes you you, know, you don't want to put, you, put, not selfishly myself, but uh, uh, generically that you don't want to put yourself in a, in a situation where you're creating a bigger uh, uh, fitness than that's already occurring. But mm. definitely, no doubt, if you have got the ability and, and, and if you can go to these young people and converse with them and engage with them and you know not in a violent confrontational way but shake them up a little yeah you know what I mean and I want to go back quickly just uh, for a short had that brother who's saying that rang up mm. and he was saying that it's a lack of iman that is totally Linked in with identity. Mm. A lot of these guys don't know who they are. Mm. They don't know if they're British. They don't know if they're Pakistani. They don't know if they're Kashmiri. They don't know if they're Muslim. They don't know if they're non-Muslim. We have we did a conference last year in the Luton Islam Center on agnosticism and atheism. So we're sending our young kids to university. They come back and say, "Well, I'm not saying there is a God, but I'm not saying there isn't either." Okay. So we're going through this huge fundamental mindset mm. shift that our young people don't know actually who they are. Mm. And Osama touched on it brilliant that this celebrity culture. Mm. So someone becomes so successful, mm. they're free to do whatever they want. 
Subhanallah. And this is the psyche that the young people are tapping into. So I can make as much money as I want in any way I want. So then I could do whatever I like. All right. Here's what we're going to do, brothers, because you know what? I'm loving this conversation and I think you are too. So we're going to continue after the break, especially on solutions. Okay. What do we need to do to solve this problem? We know what the problems are now. We kind of understand where these problems are coming from. But I want to understand who is going to solve this problem. Is it the parents? Is it the imams? Is it the community leaders? Is it the members of parliament? Is it you and me? Is it Inspire FM? Is it Iman Radio? What is going to solve this youth crime problem? How do we get our young people? How do we make them Muslim again? That's the question. How do we do that, listeners? 01582 481822. I've got a theory. But I'm not an expert. I want to hear from the experts after these messages. Listeners, this is Friday Night Live with me, Abdul Akbar and Hafiz Shaban. We'll be right back after these messages. Stay tuned. From the studios of Inspire FM, the time is now 7 o'clock. Assalamualaikum. Welcome back to part three of tonight's edition of Friday Night Live with me, Abdul Akbar and Hafiz Shaban. We're having an amazing conversation on violence around the community and it's going crazy. That's right. We have some great callers as well, mashallah. Lots of people sharing the thoughts of the panel. But also now, we understand what the problem is. We get the fact there are challenges in the community. We understand that, which is great. And we're concerned, which is even better. Now the question is, how do we solve the problem? How do we find solutions? And what is the solution? Um, before I go back to my guests, I do want to go to another caller on the line who's been waiting very patiently. We've got Fassel on the line. Salaam Fassel. Alhamdulillah, we're good. Um, Fassel, what's your comment, bro? Um, just before the break, you mentioned that... Um you asked about whose responsibility it is, or G- what can we do? G- G- the parents, is it the mushrooms and whatnot? Yeah, bro, your sound's going up and down, so just stay near the mic, please. Okay, thanks. Yeah. It's, it's, from what I understand, what I think personally, it's about education, and but education in all aspects of somebody's life. So, mm. the first point of contact is the parents. Then you've got, you know, schools, uh, the masjid, community centres, and it's got to be an approach that's consistent and persistent over a long, sustained period of time. Mm-hmm. And if we can do that and educate, you know, the youngsters um, and even the elders um, for a long period of time, I think you'll have much better results rather than just having, like, knee-jerk reactions to events around yeah. the county or around the country even. Yeah, that makes sense. How do you solve the problem of kind of having parents that might not be doing a good job parenting or going to a school that might not be a good doing a good job in, in giving the kind of um, education system that you're, you're, you're talking of or having a mosque that might not be doing a good job uh, of, of, of what imams should be doing, which is speaking in the language of their um, con- younger congregation versus just speaking in Urdu or, or Bangla um, or, or Gujarati. Uh, or Tamil uh, how, how do you solve that though how do you keep things consistent like what do we have to do where does it start from the thing with that is, is if you've got uh, a consistent program of education mm. regarding whatever issue it is in the community um, if you've got that going on in different places at different times mm. and somewhere along the line those children they're going to call even those parents 
they will come into contact with someone. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it so does. You're going to eventually hit it, yeah. In the school, yeah. Or so maybe they might not pick it up the masjid, but they might pick it up in school. Gotcha, gotcha. And if we all have the same uniform approach to it, um, then it's going to be a lot easier. We're all sending out the same message. I hear that. We understand that it's the same message. And I think that's probably the solution. All right, Faso, we got we got to leave it there because we're, we're over time. But I really appreciate you calling. Let me go to um, Mumsy. Mumsy, what's the solution from your perspective? Uh, brother, uh, Faisal, mashallah, you know, this almost word for word what I was going to say. Mashallah. Um, as we all know, prevention is better than cure. We have to start educating the people from a very young age. I'm talking like junior schools about responsibility, about the dangers of criminality, about the dangers of violent confrontation, giving them um, uh, 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 perimeters of how we should live as people that are contributing to a safer and, and, and a, flourishing, uh, a flourishing society mm. and a community. And community leaders and community members need to make a more high-profile stand, not just a, a knee-jerk reaction or a reactive. We have to be proactive, have a long, sustained campaign throughout the years, over maybe a couple of years. And what I believe for young people to bring victims to bring parents, siblings and ex-offenders to do mentoring one-to-one, to tell them about the experiences. This is the impact that it's had on my life. And would you want to be someone that has contributed to that? Mosque's taken a, a huge amount of leadership, talking about the controversial subjects that you mentioned mm. during the break, talking about um, um, alcohol-related crime, talking about drug-related crime, talking in a language that is... Uh, 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 easier for the young people to understand. And I'll give you a very good example. Earlier on, you used the word street. Mm. The kids don't call it street no more. No. They call it roads. Mm. Say so man's on roads now. Okay. So if you and me would say, what are you doing in the streets? They look like, yeah, uncle, you're old, man. Okay. They're calling it roads. Yeah, so yeah. being up to date, being current mm. and contemporary. So we have to stay up to date. Assertive outreach products. I believe that the children that come to the mosque, they're not the problem because they're already in the mosque. It's the mates that they've left behind to come to the mosques. So if the if the children are not coming to the mosque to the massages, we have to go to them. And we have to have teams. Um, uh, uh, every year we have an annual uh, adventure weekend over a period of three days where they go abseiling, climbing, potholing, canoeing, uh, and all that sort of stuff, just to build that camaraderie and that brotherhood up. Um, and in essence of it for me, obviously I spoke to you during the break, Islam is the answer to all of this. If an individual immerses himself in his religion that Allah has created for human beings, that we will understand and we will accept the fact that every single life is valued. Every single action that we do, we will be held to account for. Mm -hmm. And based on all of that, we can uh, produce a society that is something to be proud of, society that is safe, a society that is ambitious, but within the parameters and the laws that Allah has ordained for us. Absolutely. SubhanAllah. Well, Jazakallah khair for that. We're going to continue this conversation and conclude it as well. Lots of things to talk about and lots of you also calling in um, to, to give your comments and questions as well. Um, lots of people also WhatsApping us tonight. Um, brother Iftikhar saying, Salam brothers, excellent show. Big shout out to Mumsy. Um, brothers, uh, there's an epidemic in drugs in our town. This is a major cause. Parents are naive when their son arrives in a 50k car that needs to be questioned. Absolutely, Iftikhar. Hit the nail on the head also a message coming in from Ajaz as well saying Islam has given us every single example of how Khalid bin Walid raises eyebrows about Islam when the Prophet came to Makkah peace be upon him and said to his brother if we had Khalid bin Walid we would honor him as he was a brave commander so mashallah lots of good messages coming in there uh, we're gonna come to the solutions in a moment but listeners in Luton and surrounding areas it is now time for Salat al-Maghrib stay tuned we'll be right back 
Salon, my name is Race Kershi. You can catch me in City of Tiny Lights out now. Keep listening to Spire FM. Asalaamu Alaikum and welcome back to Friday Night Live with me, Abdul Akbar and Hafiz Shaban. SubhanAllah, we've been talking about an interesting topic on gang-related violence and I'm sure many of you are wondering what is the solution and of course we've had brother Mumsy in the studio as well as brother Osama we're going to be going back to them right now to really get their take because you know Muslims we are a practical people we don't just talk about stuff we actually talk about it and we do it to the best of our abilities so my question, uh, Brother Mamdi, Salaam alaikum again. Uh, you know, my, my question back to you, and mashallah, you've given us so much inspiration today, so so many, so, so much experience um, from, from your own experiences coming out. I'm sure many people have agreed with what you've said and correlated with what you've said. At the same time, my question is, if I'm a mother, like we had Sister Rehana call up earlier, saying that she's, she's concerned about her 11-year-old sons, that she's got dealers on the street. Um, what can a mother or a father do practically? And if I'm a young person listening to this program, maybe I'm in my teens, maybe I'm young, and I'm thinking, you know what? I'm actually inspired by some of this culture, this gang culture. I'm actually inspired by um, some of these things that I know that I shouldn't be doing. And, and maybe I'm even doing some of this stuff. What can I do practically tomorrow to start making that change mashallah yeah um the first thing i would tell young people mm. and parents to tell their young people to value yourself you have been given this beautiful gift of life and you're young and you can make any choice that you want if you make the right choices you can have a very successful safe uh, happy affluent life and if you make the wrong choices un- unfortunately you may end up in prison um, maybe you're not even addicted to uh, substances or be involved in uh, a, a lifestyle that you might not be able to shake off for decades and then you look back in regret value yourself I would tell the parents to instill this ambitious uh, element into their children, to value their family, to value your religion, your faith. It's something to be proud of. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has honoured us. He made us humans, then he made us into Muslims. So we could have been in any faith at all, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen us to be Muslim. Value that, honour that. Value your community, value environment. We have so much richness in this community. We have so much diversity. Um, like Brother Imran said right at the beginning of the show, we've got so many shared uh, values that you know we can, be, we can contribute to a society that is flourishing, that is successful, that is vibrant. Um, you're an amazing individual, whether you're male or female, whether you're young or old. Every single thing about you is unique to you. Mm-hmm. There's people that love you. There's people that care for you. There's people that want you to succeed. There's people that want you to reach the heights that you can reach. And it's really interesting that Osama mentioned uh, someone like Anthony Joshua. Anthony Joshua was a young, uh, 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 a young male from Watford who's of uh, Nigerian origin, that got involved in drug dealing at a young age. Mm. But he discovered something about himself. He discovered his value. Okay, he's in the sport of boxing, and you know that's a, that's a whole, whole uh, a, a new subject. But now, he's, he's, he's such a positive role model. He does charity work. He does youth work. He does community work. He's out there in schools, colleges, universities. And everywhere he goes, I'm, I actually, one of a couple of my friends that have met him, they say he's, he's, he's an amazing individual. So charismatic. Mm. Mm. Because he started valuing himself. You... 
you can invest as an individual to make this world a better place. It all starts with one person. So the parents can instill these positive values within their children and the young people within themselves can start thinking, well, hold on, I can achieve things, I can achieve things. One of the things that I would like to say, Akbar, is that mm. in the education system, unfortunately, that I personally believe that not all, but majority of the education system, they latch on to the, the brighter child. The child that they, they think that's going to be more successful, they invest more in that child. True. What we need to do is to invest more in that child that may not have that aptitude that we can see. And the best example I can give you for that is Mohamed Farah, Mo Farah, mm. a multiple Olympic uh, gold medal winner, multiple World Cup winner, breaks records all of the time. And people have their opinion of whatever they want to say, but he's one of the most humblest, down-to-earth guys you'll ever meet. Truthfully. And he was a naughty kid, mm. but he had a skill. And the right teacher and the right mentor instilled that value in him mm. by giving him short-term goals with long-term objectives. Mm. And look at him now. Mm. There's no way you can go. I mm. mean, subhanAllah, you know, my mum's in her 70s and she knows Mo Farah when he's running. Mm. So this is this in itself, you know, is, is indicative that when you can, when you invest in uh, uh, something that you're good at yeah. and you're a teacher that can, that can nurture you, you struck a chord, bro. It's amazing. You know what? It's amazing what you just said. I'm going to say something to the parents as well, which is stop seeing the mistakes that your children make. Most definitely. And start finding their strengths. Most okay? definitely. And this is what I say to my team. So I manage a very large team. And what I say to my team is, and this is going to be very controversial, and it is controversial, but you're never going to be what you want to be in terms of career aspiration probably if you want to be an astronaut it's not going to happen if you want to be the f1 driver it's not going to happen if you want to be that premier league football player it's not going to happen if you want to buy an 11 bedroom mansion with a ferrari parked outside it's probably not going to happen but you know what you can be a lot more of what you already are find your strengths understand your strengths in your children and Get them to exercise those strengths, whether they are good at communicating, whether they enjoy football, whether they enjoy sports activities, start to exercise the strengths in you and your young people and they'll get a lot better at what they already are and they'll find a place in society totally, in a positive totally, way. Totally, totally, 100%. So goals that are achievable, objectives that are achievable. Mm. So. If you're going to be someone, and this is not belittling anyone, say I'll pick up myself, a very big guy at a particular age, say, bruv, I want to go and I want to fly to space. Akbar say, bruv, mums, it's not happening. Mm. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not going to happen. Mm. But if you want to go drive around Brands Hatch in a really fast car, we can arrange that for you. Absolutely. So it's being practical in your approach. But at the same time, not hindering and not um, subduing the young young person's ambition to be successful. And everyone's got a vocation. It's just a matter of finding it. Unfortunately, I mean, there's a, I just want to quickly touch on, there was a, a comment on your WhatsApp just before the break. Mm. Someone said, drug dealers, um, in society, um, they're the ones that are having the effect. It's very important, this word effect. I don't believe that the drug dealers are causing their cause. The effect is something totally The effect is that we are a society that is consumed predominantly with the acquirement of material wealth. And drug dealing is a symptom of that. Mm. So people want to become extremely rich, extremely fast, and drug dealing is a symptom of that. We can take out just say hypothetically, the group of Pakistani drug dealers, what's going to happen to people that are not Pakistani that, that sell drugs? Yeah. 
will that stop drug dealing? No. no if no, you take out no. other ethnicities, you work with whoever, and you take them out, that that's not that is not the cause. What it is the whole cause is the the this insatiable appetite to make as much money as you can in a very fast way. Until we address that, mm. then we, obviously we're going to come to these uh, uh, such, uh, these issues that we have. One other thing as well, Brother Mumsy, that I'd like to ask you about, and I think is really important, is the power of du'a, of the Allahu parent. Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Right? Allahu I mean, there's practical things we can do, Allahu and du'a is practical. Allahu Akbar, amazing. You've got to believe in it. Amazing. Like, amazing. you know, I mean, the power, and there's a lot amazing. of Muslims that think, oh, yeah, du'a is just something you do, no, and no, no, if it happens, no, it happens. No. No, no. no. No, Allah this is a tool in our toolkit as Allah, a Muslim, right? Allah, totally, totally. I mean, I mean, this is something that is that is, it's like uh, um, you know, right at the beginning of absolutely everything. You know, the, the Sahaba used to make dua for shoelaces. Yes, you know, Subhanallah. Yeah. And not just make dua once constantly. You know, I just read a narration day before yesterday. Mm. One that Salaf was making dua for twenty years. Subhanallah. Subhanallah, constantly, and we do. Kind of in a sort of in a sad kind of way, we put it at the back burner, we make it second, third, fourth, fifth place. Mm. When that should be our primary uh, means of trying to achieve our objective, Absolutely. is the supplication and the supplication of the parent. Subhanallah, I mean, as you well know, Brother Akbar, you know, mm. that when the parent supplicates for the child, is it one, is it one of the du'as that don't go unanswered, you know, Subhanallah. Absolutely. So these are the things that definitely, definitely parents, and likewise the children for the parents. You know, mm. I just uh, recently, um, uh, I'm just going to paraphrase, is that uh, uh, a student of knowledge was asked, what if an individual makes dua for his parents uh, once in a while? Because he's, he's deemed as a, uh, he's deemed that he hasn't fulfilled the rights of the parents. Mm -hmm. and, and, if, and if a child makes dua for the parents once in a month or once in a week, and then eventually it came to the child, if the child made dua for the parents every single day, multiple times, and the student of knowledge because he may just fulfill, mm. may just fulfill the rights of the parents by doing that. So the is the most powerful weapon that we've got. And I think sometimes we become very disheartened. We start looking for other solutions, mm. more sort of, uh, in inverted commas, practical solutions within society when the best solution is already there. And I think during the break, you and I spoke, we said that for us, all of the answers to all the social ills, particularly this uh, element of gang culture and knife crime and youth delinquency, Islam is the answer. Because mm. Islam is a religion that encompasses all the perimeters that it requires to build a society that adheres to the laws, that contributes to better humanity, that protects the environment, that protects the rights of the people and the animals and so on and so forth. If only, if only we would listen to that call. SubhanAllah. Let me go back to Jazakallah Brother Mamzi. Very inspirational. My goodness, SubhanAllah. I'm sure, brothers and sisters, are you feeling it? Because I'm feeling it right now. MashaAllah. Very inspirational words there from our brother Mamzi in the studio. It's funny calling him Brother Mamzi, but <laughs> <laughs> it sounds kind of funny, but it's all good. Alhamdulillah. I want to go back to Asama. Asama, you've been hearing the conversation as well. And yeah. I want to talk about solutions now. So from your perspective and the youth work you've been involved with, what's the solution, bro? Like, what, what, if I'm a young person, I'm thinking, I want to fix myself. I get it. I understand. I want to fix myself. What should I do? Okay. Um, uh, there was something that Uncle Mumsy said. He said that Islam is, uh, is a solution for, for not just Muslims, obviously, but all of mankind. Mm. Now, if, if someone actually wants to know where his direction in life is heading, it's very simple. Um, it requires time, it requires a lot of dedication, 
Mm. Um, but once you're in the process, it's very easy, and you have to have a sincere intention. Mm. So when you open up the Quran, um, and and this is something that I'm going to lead to when I talk about solution. Mm-hmm. Throughout the Quran, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is basically asking you and telling you to contemplate about you know the creations in the in uh, 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 around you so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says which basically means in the creations of the heavens and the earth the alteration of the day and night there are indeed signs for those people who think who use intellect now the reason why i say this is because once you look around and you start contemplating you start to realize that behind this globe or Berry Park, or Biscot Road, or Dallow, or where, wherever you are, mm. behind this 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 world, there's a creator. And naturally, once you've come to that realization yourself, you start to understand that okay, because the creator is involved, now accountability is involved. Mm. Uh, as an example, in this society, maybe, and it does happen, you can get away. Uh, you and there have been cases in the past that you literally have got away with murder. But if someone has gone through the process and thought, okay, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala exists, he's watching me, you won't go near a knife to murder someone. Why? Because that idea of accountability is instilled inside you and that has become your value and principle that you run with in life. That's with drugs, that's with crime, that's with food, that's with women. Uh, so that's before the actual solution. So the first part is to actually realize there's accountability when you're Muslim. And taqwa. Exactly, and taqwa. And understanding that when you've understood Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is, he, he exists. Mm. And you've gone through the thought process that, okay, this dunya didn't pop out of nowhere. Mm. The accountability starts to kick in. All and right. the second solution is, is tarbiyah. Mm. Can we come back to that after yeah, the break, no inshallah? So no listeners, problem. mashallah, I am loving this conversation with our young brother here, mashallah, 22 years of age and giving us some amazing anecdotes from his experience as well and his understanding on the street. Um, brother Osama, I'm also going to come back to you after the break and ask you a very personal question because I'm getting WhatsApps from people saying, you know what, I want to hear more from this brother Osama. Yeah. He's saying some interesting things, mashallah, but specifically they know they want to know about your youth how did your parents train you and teach you how how did you turn out the way you are yeah. what's the secret formula um how did you how did your parents um interact with you and what was your logic and mindset when you were growing up when you used to see distractions uh, how did you keep away from them? So very personal, yeah. but I think we can benefit from this. Are you okay. all right with that, bro? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm cool with that. That sorry. sounds good to me. And, you know, I'm not going to ask you uh, t- too many personal questions, <laughs> yeah, but we're going to get to your experiences as well, because I think we can learn from that. Listeners, this has been Friday Night Live, and it still is Friday Night Live. We're going to take a very short break, and we'll be right back after these messages. Don't go away. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome back to Friday Night Live and uh, suddenly the voice changes this is not Abdul Akbar any longer uh, this is Hafiz Shaban with you inshallah ta'ala for this last uh, half an hour of the program and uh, mashallah our program has uh, has been quite radically restructured to continue with this uh, lead story and the lead discussion over the last hour and a half where we've been discussing the rise in uh, gang violence uh, the rise in crime or criminality 
humanity amongst a lot of our Muslim youth uh, and uh, the general discussion around what's happening in our community what are we doing about it? why is it happening what are we what can we do about it and what are the some of the practical things that are happening in our community to address this issue and mashallah uh, brother Abdul Akbar has as usual been doing a fantastic job mashallah jazakallah heron to all our listeners who have been calling in and contributing to this discussion has been fantastic mashallah I've taken a back seat brother Zafar Zay also uh, he's also been taking a back seat mashallah up until now I think he wants to continue that way too from the expression on his, on his, on his face uh, and, and really this show is about you our listeners mashallah and you our listeners have been contributing fantastically over the last hour and a half uh, and it's really down to you 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 our listeners to lead this discussion feeding your thoughts feeding your comments inshallah ta'ala and give us your thoughts and that's what the show's about mashallah so we've been hearing from the good listeners of Luton it'll also be great to hear from some of the other towns inshallah ta'ala Sheffield Peterborough and uh, wherever else you're listening to us up and down the country on Inspire FM 105.1 FM inshallah ta'ala but we do have brother mashallah uh, Osama continuing in the studio inshallah and uh, jazakallah hair to brother Osama when I spoke to brother Osama initially he said strictly 6 to 7 so mashallah he's been very <laughs> flexible uh, very flexible and salam alaikum welcome back uh, right, brother Osama jazakallah hair uh, for extending uh, your time and uh, you know your your experiences uh, sharing your experiences with us uh, at here in Spy and also w- with our listeners and of course before we went into the, to the break uh, brother Abdul Akbar has had to rush off and, and go to offer his Maghrib Salah I think one of the discussions points that you brothers were having after discussing okay what are the, some of the some of the ways that we can address uh, this rise and, and this yep. problem in our youth is also to look at some of the Practical examples, and of course, in terms of yourself, mashallah, you you are mashallah a, a brilliant example, right? And uh, mashallah, uh, you know, of, of course, I I know you personally. I know your 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 father personally, and mashallah, I know your father has plugged in hours. Right, uh, hours in terms of effort, uh, in terms of resources that were available to him. Right, uh, and I, I want to resonate with a, with a, with an earlier caller, a sister. And you know, I was still listening to the conversation at that, at that stage when the sister was re- was reciting her example and her twins, uh, and what can she do about it? And wallahi, if I was on the on on this side of the mic, I would have said, sister, there's no quick fix. Yeah, there's no quick fix. It is a matter of you know. You know, plugging in, you know, your effort, your time into into your children, uh, okay, and plugging in all the resources that are available to you as, as a parent, right? Uh, you know, trying to you know leverage you know good atmospheres, you know, good you know p- people in the community that are actually you know engaged in you know you know positive you know initiatives that Brother Mumzi was discussing earlier and that you've been discussing earlier. So the answer, the the, the short answer is that, that there's no quick fix and, and it's just hard sheer hard work and, and you 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 do you know seem to be fighting an uphill battle because yep. you know society is against you right so as as a father you know as a parent you know i've got children you know mashallah now 15 you know 18 20 you know uh, so i know personal from my personal experiences it's 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 a very hard battle right but but one of the brothers has requested that okay why don't you share some of your anecdotal examples from your personal life and and you know how maybe the, you know some of our listeners can also benefit from that inshallah um so I remember the the whole journey. Uh, let's just start from 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 my hips, because that's as far as I can remember. So I started um, 
my dad took me for for Umrah back in 2007. Right. Uh, you can imagine I was in. Uh, I didn't have. I didn't memorize Quran. I didn't know the Arabic. I was just a, a, a standard child. Mm. Um, but one thing my dad did pick up on was that uh, Alhamdulillah for the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, I was quick at memorizing things uh, And I, with my father I was a bit competitive with him as well So we'd, we'd kind of um, you know, um, compete with each other in terms of memorizing surahs mm. So I went to Mecca in 2007, my first trip there We stayed for actually the whole of Ramadan And uh, my dad said, Look, make near that inshallah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala facilitates your your journey of completing the Quran. So mm. to be honest with you, um, <laughs> I, I only did it for for the Burger Kings at iftar time. Um, <laughs> th- that was the only reason why, right? right. Um, but then afterwards, Subhanallah, my I, I, my dad said, if you do the thirty of Juz here, let's yeah. pursue it yeah. properly in UK. Yeah. Uh, the month passed by, and Alhamdulillah, I read Surah Naba and I memorized the Juz. Mm. And actually, when leaving Mecca, I was I was actually sad. I look. Uh, uh, I, I've left it And this is the place Where I started my, my mm. hifs mm. um, And I made dua Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Bring me back here When I'm close mm. to finishing it mm. if, I, if I do finish it mm. I went back to UK um, You know um, My dad Every morning After Fajr Without fail mm. Every morning I mean I can't count There's probably four mornings Where it was missed Due to like Illnesses Or people passing away And he was mm. outside of Luton Yeah um, without fail, two hours after Fajr Quran, he would mm. read and I would repeat. He would read and I would repeat until we actually memorized mm. the target for that day. Mm. And then after school, I'd repeat the same uh, uh, page to him mm. to kind of uh, solidify it in my mm. head. And it was that. It was the process. Uh, so that was in yeah. terms of our Quran. That that was the beginning. That was the beginning. So again, a, a key. I think you guys have already discussed this in terms of the key pivotal role of parents, right? Yeah. So so I mean, I, I think you guys have. If you touched or, or if you've already touched upon it, then you just let me know. I mean, you can't outsource parenting. Right, you can't outsource parenting. I think that's a key pivotal message, right, out there to our parents. You can't outsource it, right? So you can't just rely upon someone else to do totally, to, totally, to totally. build the Islamic identity, to build the Islamic culture, to bring the Quranic culture. You, you fair enough. You don't have an expertise in Arabic, or you don't have an expertise in in, in understanding the Quran. Yeah. So you allow someone else to to teach your kids, right? But but otherwise, you, you know, you need to take on responsibility. Totally, totally. Parents. I mean. Parents investing emotionally in their children mm. is is one of the most valuable things that you can have. Oh. And um, about 15 minutes ago, me and brother Akbar, we touched on that. Yeah. What happens is that um, we hand our children over to other human beings, mm. um, but not all of these humans can invest emotionally within our children. Osama, mashallah, is a fantastic example Mm. of a parent investing in his child. And now we can see the fruition of that. A young 22-year-old man from Luton, um, you know, he adheres to the Islamic faith. When you meet him, he's amiable, he's kind, he's gentle, and he's investing back into the community. Mm. And that's because his father invested him in emotionally. Mm. So going back to what I said uh, about 15, 20 minutes ago with Brother Akbar, Mm. that we send our children to school at nine in the morning, pick Mm. them up at half past three, quickly take them home, drop them to the mosque, pick them yeah, up, yeah. and play Fortnite till 8 yeah, o'clock. Yeah. We're not investing them in emotionally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So once you have that emotional investment, he said something yeah. really profound just now, yeah. that he was really sad when he left Makkah. Yeah. 
And that was because of the emotional attachment that him and his father yeah. and the Quran and that moment yeah. had in his yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah. And for him to mention that, mm. and that's something that you know parents need to understand that mm. is one thing providing your children mm. with education or, mm. or, or clothing or a place to live in, mm. uh, but it's a totally different thing to mm. invest in them in their emotion. Yeah. Uh, and you and you you yourself as well. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, some of the time, a lot of the times, this is not happening. And that's why we see kids who say, "Mom don't understand me, Dad don't understand me, mm. the elders don't." understand yeah. you know lots of shoulder shrugging lots yeah. of little sort of like yeah. you know you, you guys don't really understand what i'm going through sort of vibe yeah. and that's because they haven't had that uh emotional nourishment as, as what they needed right right so that, that, that's a good me- good message in terms of to the parents we've, we've reiterated that but i also want to touch upon what about then you actually now engaging with your kind of uh, peer group right or your, or your kind of age uh, group of, of of people out there because you, you know how are you finding that how, how you know in terms of interacting with them discussing with them you know w- what are you finding i, I think we touched upon it previously right, okay. um but uh, uh like i said when, when you when you actually have a dialogue with these guys that are on the streets uh, whether they're involved in whatever they're involved in mm. um uh, like I said again, they're, they're not bad people. Mm. They're not bad. If they see something wrong, as an example, if they see a woman getting beaten mm. up in the street, mm. they won't stand there and pull out their phones and start laughing. Mm. They, they'd actually go and stop it. So there's goodness in everyone. But the point is, is, is everyone has to kind of understand that. Okay, um, and it's and 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 it's a it's a harsh awakening. But mm. you have to really ask yourself who, who defines who defines good and who defines bad. Mm. You know, if someone says, okay, I'm I'm a good person, at the end of the day, it's uh, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala that defines what what good is and what bad is. Um, so that's something that um, that that it's quite easy when you speak to to the youth. Yeah, mashallah. I, I, plus one to that, you know. Honestly, the 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 very fitra is what you're talking about. Yeah, we all have innate goodness in us, and um, however. Of course, we live in the world, and the shaitan has made a promise <laughs> to take as many of us to the hellfire as he can, and this is the great test. But I have a question for you, Brother Osama, and uh, we touched on it before the break, which is, I want to know, and I'm going to get a bit intimate with you, uh, in, in a positive way, <laughs> yeah, just to be clear about that, brothers, just in case, yeah, on the different vibe, but I want to get intimate with you, and I want you to share with me and the listeners um, your thought process as a young person when you were growing up in your 13s 14s what went through your mind when you used to see distractions like this and how did your parents mold you and teach you what did they used to say to you were they strict with you did they let you play video games did you used to listen to music I mean how did you battle because that's a challenge isn't it brother Mamzi? I mean these distractions these uh, you know, they talk it. They call it. Um, I'm going to hit the authorities. I mean, uh, jihad of the nafs, right? These desires that you had. How, how do you? How do you kind of do the jihad on your inner desires as a young person? Yeah. How did you yourself? What process um, from the age of like uh, after I completed my hips so about fourteen to sixteen? You had a thought process. I never had a thought. Pro- I still don't have a thought process, bro. <laughs> I'm still building that. Mashallah. Uh, I, yeah, think, I think I think every insan does. It's just about <laughs> it's about using it, right? Absolutely. So fourteen to sixteen um, was when I did my hips and uh, I started asking myself, look, I've got this book, I've memorized the Quran. Mashallah. Um, and I didn't know he was a hafiz. I gotta be honest. Mashallah, I didn't know this brother was a hafiz as well. Mashallah. I, I think the psalm was also forgot i mean from that age yeah. whenever we used to see him in his community with yeah. his father yeah 
um, he was shown so much love, affection, and respect. Yeah. Due to the process that he was going through, and obviously he's grown up. Mm. Don't want to say too much to him, obviously. Yeah. Uh, uh, to flatter him too much. Yeah. But you know, you know, he's exemplary. The solution then is exactly. to make your children a hafiz of that, the Quran. I'm not joking. That, that is a part of the solution. That, that is, could no be a solution. No doubt. Solution could be start teaching your children to memorize the Quran. Well, I mean, well, we could, we could do, we could, yeah. do, we, we can do a demographic test. Yeah. To find out how many half uh, Quran hafiz is yeah. are involved in knife crime. How many do you find in prison? Subhanallah. How many of them are selling drugs? Subhanallah. How many of them are involved in uh, criminal behavior or yeah. violent disorder? How yeah. many? That could that be a solution. Is, that, you know, that in itself is an indicator that mm. that is, 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 is a protective mechanism. Subhanallah. Osama, yes. So, uh, yeah, so obviously all, all good is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and, and it's never from inside. Absolutely. Um, so all good is from you know, my teachers, my father, and nothing, to be honest, is from me. And the more Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants you in terms of goodness, it increases the um, the point of how much amana you have on your shoulders. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the but, first but part. You, you, you've given me a very nice articulated response, but I'm going to be raw here with you. Yeah. You are still a young person. You are still attracted to um, the dunya out there. So, no, and, so, so and yeah, you still saw all the good stuff of life. Yeah, so how <laughs> did you, in your mind, keep away from that? So my, my father, I mean, from mm. the age of 14 to 16, you know, uh, Lewin's very famous for their cars, right? Mm. Even in such a small town, you had the newest Lamborghinis in Berry Park. You had, for example... Uh, um, you know the, the 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 La Ferraris that are just coming out from the showroom, and and these these youngsters are driving them. So when I was I was thinking, that I used to say, Dad, Dad, mm. you know, um, if I do this, can you get me that? Can you can you get me this? And after a while, my dad started asking me, okay. I'll take you. So he actually took me to do go karting to get to get that out of my system. Mm. You know the speed and stuff. Mm. So I did that. And my dad said, "Look, why do you want the car for?" And I remember I was a kid. So you're right. I was doing this. So I said because I want I want people to see me. And my dad's like, "Ah, oh, that's the point." So if it's for speed, if it's to kind of that's your passion and that's what you want to do, I'll take you on a track. We can hire a car out. You can drive it. Get out your system. If it's for people to look at you, where's that idea stemming from? Mm. Then I ask myself, okay, with these cars, with these you know certain clothes, um, there, there's other attachments to them. And this is the full process. Okay, who am I? Am I living for Osama or Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, or am I living for the uncles in Berry Park who on the shops and say, yeah, you know, he he hired the first car at 18 plate. And this was a, this was what I was going through at the time. I just want to you know get involved with hmm. this discussion here. I mean, you see, the key thing here is, I mean, okay, we're saying you know hifas and and hafaz. I mean, I, I know a lot of hafaz, right? And it Such is, as yourself. It's not necessarily you know uh, mm. uh, you know an equation that will always work sure. necessarily. Right? Sure. So just because you're half is doesn't mean okay that's it. You, you're, you're, no. you're going to be on the on the straight path and, and you know and everything's going to go well. Mm. I think the key thing here, which Osama is indicating towards, is is his father did, just didn't you know build him towards being a half is, but then also he built this understanding. All right. Yeah. This is the key thing: the mm. Islamic understanding. Exactly. You know, you know, he 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 tried to gradually, you know, fill this void and this, you know, the question of identity earlier that we were discussing, the values that we were discussing earlier, and and Subhanallah, you know, as a parent, I mean, I'm, a, I'm you know, okay, as you as you pointed out, half is right, and my my two of my children are half is. 
One of my sheikhs in the past, he said that um, the shaitan, he works more on the hafiz. Yeah, he because he knows mm. that you are special mm. and that you are actually somebody who contains and is preserving the Quran. He's going to try, it's even harder for you. Yes. Uh, subhanallah. Mm. But here's another question, and I want to go back to Asama, if I may, Hafiz Shaban, yeah? Which is specifically around, okay, I get it. So your father was a large influence on you. Yeah. Um, but and you kind of rationalized and he rationalized with you. Yeah. And you were sensible, like most people are. Yeah. And you saw the sense in his thinking and his guidance and you executed on that. Mashallah. Yeah. That is great. So what do you say to young people? Who currently today are on the road, yeah, just to correct myself on the road, on the roads, yeah, <laughs> and who are who are doing bad things today, or what what do you say to them? what should they do what 's your guidance to them because they might you know they 've got goodness in them, they know what they 're doing yeah. is wrong yeah what's your what 's your message as a young person it's a, it's a, now the solution um, mm. it's a very loaded question, right um but if I'm going to be very frank and honest and sincere, I'd say scrutinize your purpose in life. That's what I'd say. Mm. In one word, one question, scrutinize your purpose in life. Is it to accumulate the money? Even through halal means, there's, there's no problem, mm. right? But if you make that your purpose in life and you stand in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you've done your fara, you've done your obligations and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, okay, but you just did your fara'id. Where was your investment in the community? You saw that brother sell drugs, you didn't stop him. In fact, you made his path easier to go to the, the, the fire. What did you do? I was hungry and you didn't feed me. So, so, so exactly, what, what did mm. you do? Mm. So my question, uh, the solution is in the question, scrutinize the purpose of your life mm. and look around you, you know, uh, so, uh, two weeks ago I was at a janaza uh, uncle pastor he was 91 years old subhanallah he used to translate like um, Urdu books into English for, for people to access around hadith books and stuff like that um, 91 years old and he, you know he, he passed away and these are signs you know, people go to janazas we've had grandmas pass away we've had our brothers parents pass away Where's the, where's the, everyone's got a beginning that like we just said Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created this earth but where is the end? I mean there are greater people than you in terms of wealth you know have the likes of Fir'aun and Qarun no matter Bill Gates he can't reach the, the wealth of Qarun he had an immense amount of wealth but then where, where's Qarun today? yeah where I mean th- these days it's Jeff Bezos by the way who's the richest man in the world <laughs> you know, Amazon founder but you know I, I take the point and it's a, it's a really powerful point scrutinize your life that's yeah. interesting and you know what that, that's true not just for young people that's true for you and me and for us everyone, yeah. in the room right I mean it's never too late to scrutinize your life totally, totally. I mean, brother Akbar touched on this slightly after Maghrib is value yourself value yourself in your humanity Value yourself in your community, in your family. Value yourself in your faith. Value yourself in your masculinity or your femininity. What are you? Are you something that is worthless or are you something that is priceless? Mm. Once you get that value of yourself, then you can be something that can contribute 
to your community, to your life, to this world, mm. and become an asset and not a hindrance. And mm. this is exactly the same thing that Osama is saying. One of the solutions um, that we as a community need to understand is even though the faith aspect is the primary objective, we need to, as a community, <clears throat> across the board, to have an assertive outreach project where if the young people like Usama, mashallah, and other younger brothers that are coming to the masajids, in a way that's preaching to the converted because mm. the positive ethos has been instilled in these young people from their family members, from their parents, so on and so forth. But what we need is assertive outreach products where we are going out in these communities, going to them corners like that sister was talking about, going to the um, gatherings of young people just to engage with them. Mm. Sorry, Uncle, just to uh, I- interrupt. You know this this youth campaign we're doing? Um, so um, we're, we're launching this campaign officially in Charlotte, in Luton. And what we plan to do is is we have stores. What is it called again? Just remind us. Stand for nothing, fall for anything. Because it's actually uh, some of what the youth, you know, you, you stand for nothing and you fall for anything. Mm. Uh, and it's so true. Uh, and if you do stand for something, you're not going to fall for anything that comes in your way and mm-hmm. says, you know what, try a bit of this because you're standing for something, i.e. Islam. You're standing for your true purpose in life, which is obeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wherever you are. So the point is, we're going to have like stores on the weekends. We're going to go to these places and we're going to speak to the, even the brothers that may, may deal with drugs. Uh, is this your sole purpose in life? Is mm. this what you want to do? Mm. What is it? Is it to make money and then wash it through a business? When I was your age, Osama, yeah. I used to do what you're describing. Yeah. Okay. And so did many brothers before us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. However, this problem still exists. What are you going to do differently? What do you think is not working? What what do we need to do? How can we how can we iterate and improve um the tried and tested methods? Because I'll be honest with you, some of it works. There's no doubt about that, but this isn't working at scale, right? It's working mm-hmm. in the kind of pockets of areas and we we got to start somewhere. I'm not saying don't do it. What do we need to do to really move the needle here? So you, you, you made an interesting point there, and the point is, is that um, if there was an actual change from the roots, it would be from the top down and not bottom up. And because obviously in, in this country, we haven't got access to the top, i.e. The, the government, and we can't, uh, even if we do push Islamic narrative, they're not going to implement Islam. That's, that's the... the, well, the yeah, like prevent. That's not implementing Islam. <laughs> It's preventing Islam. The, 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 the point is, is we have we have to do what we can do, mm. and we reach out to these people in our in our means, and we say to them, look, um, this is what we can do. Uh, and you, when we were doing this Dawah campaign, we were actually walking up and down the streets, and we were, we got to a conclusion that look, all of the people, the youth, they're not even on the road anymore; they're in the cars. They're driving up and down, and do you know what? They they sleep till like two p.m. and they come out. So we pitched it wrong, but inshallah, we we learn from our mistakes. Right. Um, can, can, can I also now bring in uh, you know bro- brother Zafar? You know, I'm very conscious of the I'm, I'm very conscious of the fact that he's been uh, listening no, very patiently, mashallah. Let, let's get some wise let's get some wise words from brother Zafar. No, alhamdulillah, I think brothers are talking way, talking through experience, and uh, they're obviously sort of much more experienced in much more uh, eloquent than, than I am. Uh-huh. Um, but the only thing I would, I would reiterate is, Brother Akbar, 
Uh, the community is much bigger than it used to be, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's scaling up. Mm-hmm. Anything that you do, you scale up. And I think this is something that I've actually argued in many forums before, is that, you know, if you did a rough estimate of the number of young people versus the facilities available, mm-hmm. right, we actually lost that ratio about 20 years ago, mm-hmm. right? So we've not kept our community the, uh, as not, in terms of the, the, the facilities for them, We've not kept touch with it, you know, whether it's through, you know, the madrasas or whether it's, you know, um, through outreach projects that you talked about. Uh, So the one of the things I always mention as well is the fact that during the times of the Soviets in in Tatarstan, Islam was suppressed. If you were caught practicing, right, you would be actually risking your life. And one of the things they did was they actually divided the city into quadrants. Right. And they actually appointed a sister, a woman, a lady of influence to look after the children in that area and make sure that the, the Islamic deen was passed on mm-hmm. from generation to generation. And in that region, Islam survived, right, right? Um, you know, under the Soviets. So, uh, I think we needed something like this 20 years ago, I think. Right, mm. so we've, we've got a minute left. Uh, I'm going to ask the brothers to summarize. They're very difficult in 15, 20 seconds each, inshallah. Ta'ala. So well, let's start with Brother Mumzi. Alhamdulillah, you know, I, I don't think you know, we should be disheartened. I don't think we should be saddened. Um, and lose hope, you know. Mashallah, you know, like Osama is a is a prime example. You know, the setup that he's got it's a prime example that you know our young people taking uh, their future in in their own hands and spreading the positivity out there. So I mean, um, just there is there is a lot of good out there, and uh, Mashallah, you know, long may it continue. Osama, uh, ten seconds. And so, like we said, scrutinize your purpose in life and understand that you know the Ummah of the Prophet is the best Ummah. And so we'll reach out to you, inshallah, for our campaign. Right, and have confidence in your in, in your identity, in in, in your Islam. Uh, over to you, Abdul Akbar. You know what, Avishaban? Don't forget the power of du'a. Okay, without this power of du'a, we are nothing. So raise your hands at night. Raise your hands during the day, and say, Oh Allah. Bless this community, bless my family, bless my children, bless those around me, bless the environment. Oh Allah, make me one of those who will move the needle towards you and inspire those towards you. Jazakallah. 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 A fantastic note to finish on. And that was Friday Night Life with Brother Abdul Akbar and of course me, Hab Shaban. <laughs> but until next week, inshallah, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Jazakallah.